Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Welcome back from the All-Star break, sort of. Only four games last night kind of felt like the All-Star break. Not a lot going on around Major League Baseball. I'm Adam Azer, and if you were listening to yesterday's show, you know it's a two-man show today. Scott White is not on the show. So I said to Chris last night, I said, hey, man. Only four games. What do you want to talk about tomorrow? And he said, oh, it's just me and you? No thanks. I am out. I'm going to the doctor, the dentist, anything but an Adam and Chris show. So, Heath, thank you for stepping up, stepping in. The Heath is on. You make it sound like I chose to be here with you. And Chris was, like, wiser than me. Uh, no, I'm glad to be here. I think we'll have a lot of fun. We've got some some room to just air things out a right. little bit. Yes, and talk a little dynasty with the MLB draft starting yesterday. I figured it's a good time to talk a little yeah. dynasty. Yeah, you act like there was nothing going on. It was compelling television last night watching the draft. You didn't watch the draft, obviously. I got to tell you, I watched the NHS Stanley Cup Finals. Better television than the NBA Finals by a lot. There's like never any commercials. I don't know the last time. It's, it's just it's just nonstop back and forth. There's like no commercials. It's great. Every time I turn on a basketball game, it's a commercial or they're reviewing something. Uh, the Blues tied it up, tied the series up at two. Very very fun stuff. Did Patrick Mahomes chug any more beers? Uh, I don't know, but he was there. He was there, and uh, you know it's, it's it's enjoyable. Okay, so today we're gonna recap the four games. Aaron Nola with a terrible start. Walker Bueller with a great start. Robbie Ray with his deepest start. Uh, all year of seven innings, finally. First start of more than six innings. And I'm going to tell you where he ranks among starting pitchers. Even I, someone who doesn't like Robbie Ray, was surprised at where he ranks among starting pitchers so far. Uh, Corey Seager's been hot. We'll talk about him. The Andrew McCutcheon injury. We've got some fill-in-the-blank. We've got some weekend leftovers. Let's get to it, though. News and notes. Andrew McCutcheon sprained his knee. We'll have an MRI. Philadelphia is calling up Adam Hazley, who... I think 2017 was the top 10 pick. Uh, obviously, they have Jay Bruce, who sat against the lefty yesterday. Uh, and Kingery can play some outfield. He played third base yesterday. So Andrew McCutcheon tweeted, please pray for me. He doesn't think it's an ACL injury, but let's react to this McCutcheon knee injury, Heath. Uh, it's terrible. There's nothing good about it at all, and I hope that he's okay. But it, it didn't look good. I I would guess... Uh, like best case scenarios, we're not going to see him for a month. And I just want to like kudos to our video team here. If you don't watch our show, you can watch it. I think uh, the easiest way might be to go to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and go to CB and search for CBS Sports, and you'll see our show every day, our full show. But we actually have the video of the play of McCutcheon getting stuck in a rundown and, and hurting his knee. So, what's the fantasy impact? Who benefits? You know, who gets playing time? Who's important now? I mean, it, it solidifies the opportunity for Scott Kingery and I suppose Jay Bruce, so I still don't think the Phillies are going to play him against lefties. I don't know that there's like a big winner from this. Obviously, the major fantasy impact would be you have to find a way to replace Andrew McCutcheon. Thankfully, Malik Smith's still only owning 55% of leagues, so that's not that difficult. And he homered yesterday. I don't know who's going to hit leadoff for them. I mean, I suppose they could just move people up in the order and put I would Segura. assume it's Cesar Hernandez. That then you know what that you could be right and that to me is a huge winner in this situation. Would you agree? A winner, yes. Okay, because I, I I think he you know he's going to need to be like really mixed league relevant in like a twelve team league. You know, he'll probably need to score those runs, get those plate appearances. He used to be a leadoff hitter, you know, but when he's batting lower in the order. Obviously not right. as valuable. So I, I think that's I think that's fairly significant. Meanwhile, Odubel Herrera's administrative leave was extended to June seventeenth, and Travis Shaw is off the IL, and Keston Hira is back to Triple A. Travis Shaw didn't really have a great rehab outing, um, and you know he he's been terrible. Fifty strikeouts in forty games, three for thirty three with no extra base hits against lefties. All right, what's your take on the Brewers situation, Heath? 
I was a little surprised, and it's kind of interesting because if you had told me before the weekend that Keston Hero was going to be sent down when Travis Shaw came back, that's kind of what I'd been saying for two weeks, so it wouldn't have surprised me too much. Um, he did have a fantastic three- or four-day stretch. I kind of thought it might be enough to save him. I don't think you should necessarily rush out to drop Hira. It's His opportunity is going to depend solely on whether Travis Shaw remembers how to hit or not, and I don't necessarily disagree with the Brewers making this decision to at least give Shaw an opportunity to keep his job because for the last two seasons, he's been a very good hitter. He got off to a terrible start, but, I mean, really, it was a bad month and a half. Lots of good hitters have bad months and a half. I don't know that he gets more than a week or two. I've seen him picked up in a couple of leagues. I think that makes sense just because of his second base eligibility. If you're weak at that position, definitely makes sense anywhere you need a corner and a middle infielder because he has the possibility to be like a top six or seven second baseman rest of season if he can just be what he was the last two years. On the other hand, I, I think there's a decent chance that he's two bad weeks away from just not having a job. He's 56% owned, Travis Shaw. I'm surprised more people didn't drop him, quite frankly, because yesterday he was 53% owned. So, all right, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I don't I don't think he's going to play against lefties. I think that would be a mistake if he played against lefties. So, all right, we'll, we'll, take a, we'll see what happens there with Travis Shaw. And he says be a little patient with Keston Hira, who does have five home runs, three in his last five games back in the minors. D. Gordon and Ryan Healy could begin rehab assignments this week in D. Gordon's absence. Shed Long doubled and stole two bases for Seattle last night, but, yeah, it could be, uh, it could be a shorter stint for him. And uh, Ryan Presley got a save for Houston. Roberto Ozuna had pitched Friday and Sunday. I don't. Th- I, I didn't just see don't. Any- I didn't see. I, I don't there. think that matters for Ozuna, but I don't understand why Ryan Presley is still only thirty-two percent owned. Well, he should be owned in every single categories league. The scoreless streak is over, Heath. <laughs> I don't care. He's been arguably the best reliever in baseball over the last calendar year. Yeah, they are hundred percent right. Uh, Ryan Presley is amazing. Uh, next news item: the Cubs called up Carlos Gonzalez. You don't need to worry about him in fantasy. David Peralta and Nelson Cruz are off the IL, and I want to defend my honor because on Friday I gave Heath a list of dropometer players. First of all, Heath mispronounced it and called it the drop the dropometer, the dropometer. Uh, and he said, I don't know why Dan Vogelbach is on the dropometer. I'm going to tell you why, Heath. He's got a 701 OPS in his last 36 games, and he's owned in like 84% of leagues. Okay. All right. There you go. That's why he was on the dropometer. So his last 36 games now, or he had a 701 OPS in his last 36 games before Friday? Now. Updated. Oh, well, that's what he's done over the last four days is irrelevant. <laughs> well, that's true. But he was still ice cold. When I gave you the dropometer, please learn how to pronounce it uh, on Friday. So, so I I do not believe he should be on the dropometer. Let's go to the Monday recap. Anybody stand out to you on Monday? There were a lot of very interesting performances. Probably none more exciting than Walker Bueller with eleven strikeouts over eight innings, only gave up one run. And I don't think that like fans of the Dodgers or Walker Wheeler will like my reaction, but my take basically was now is the time I would try to sell Walker Wheeler. And I, I think he's going to be very good, most likely, for the next couple of months. I am still, I came into the year concerned about what he would look like in August and September because of the huge innings increase last year. And he did not start the season off very good at all, but Four of his last five starts now have been quality starts. This was a dominant start. I think now might be the time where I could see if I could get a top 15 starting pitcher. I mean, there's some guys that have really, really struggled lately, including a couple Indians pitchers, and I would trade Bueller for either of them. Well, one thing I like about Walker Bueller right now is that they're really limiting his pitches. He hasn't thrown, uh, I think yesterday was a season high. It was 102 pitches. So he goes about 100 pitches every time out. Yeah, it is a question of uh, will you know will he be Luis Severino, right? Who had a big innings increase from 2016 to 17, and then in 2018 he fell apart in the second half. Probably won't be that drastic, but uh, who would you sell Bueller for? Uh, Carlos Carrasco. Did you already say that? Yeah, Trevor Bauer. You really Noah Syndergaard. You really all those guys? Yeah. Okay. I didn't say Noah Syndergaard before, but you wouldn't trade him for Noah Syndergaard? 
The thing about Noah Syndergaard is like, how do you treat a guy like Noah Syndergaard who who goes on the IL every year? I, I believe Noah Syndergaard is going to be really good going forward. I don't believe he's going to stay healthy. Do you think he's more likely to go on the IL this year than Walker Bueller? Yes, and I do think that if they both go on the IL, I would take Syndergaard on the IL for longer. Okay. I'm not that good at predicting injury. I'm great at um, it. <laughs> obviously, you're very, very good at it. Uh, okay, so my standout is a bad one, Aaron Nola. Walker Bueller or Aaron Nola rest of the season? I would still take Nola. I am a little discouraged because like, it kind of seemed like he was getting things together, but now after a bad start, you go back and look, and he still had three walks in four of his last five starts, and he's just not going to be as good of pitcher if he's walking three guys plus every single start. And this wasn't ever a problem for him, but he's not figuring it out right now. So I I still have Nola as a top 15 starting pitcher rest of season, but this was discouraging. Yeah, and, and I feel like walks are something that could be sort of easily fixed, especially for a guy with his track record. But he gives up six runs and five and a third on eight hits. Nola said his curveball, his fastball, and his changeup were missing. So he just had absolutely nothing yesterday at San Diego, and uh, and it showed... You still have him as a top fifteen pitcher. Okay, so would you would you take Ryu or Nola? I think I'd take Ryu now. I've got a rankings update to do tomorrow. Right now, I have Nola ranked ahead, but I think I'd take Ryu. All right, some more standouts from yesterday. I'll say a name. You tell me what you think. Eric Lauer, fifty five percent owned. Other than one horrible start at Colorado, he has seven straight starts. So it's really seven out of eight with two or fewer earned runs. Usually, he doesn't go six innings, but keeps the runs off the board. Eric Lauer. I really don't know how he's doing it. Like, yes, this was a good start in terms of run prevented, and he's had a few of those. But he's really a below-average starting pitcher, and every single peripheral says that. I really don't care. Lauer or Pavetta? Pavetta. Lauer or Chris Bassett? Those guys are closer, but I think I'd still take Bassett. Okay, next name is Robbie Ray. Seven innings, three runs, nine strikeouts to one walk against the Dodgers. Probably his best start of the year, at least one of his best starts of the year. Again, this was the first start of more than six innings for Robbie Ray. 96% owned, 85% started. And I really thought that with a 362 ERA, 91 strikeouts and 69 and two-thirds, I thought he'd be a top 30 pitcher. He's 51st in points. He's 44th in roto. Uh, what does that mean for you with Robbie Ray? That is a little surprising that um, he doesn't rank a little better. I suppose the whips holding him down in Roto and the win or the innings are holding him down in points. I've got him ranked right around 40th. He's someone I'm pretty much just starting most times and not really like I know sometimes it's going to be bad. Sometimes it's going to be great. And I'm just willing to ride those highs and lows with Ray. All right, John Lester. John Lester or Robbie Ray? They both pitched last night. Lester, very good. Rebounding after three terrible starts in a row. Would you rather have Lester or Ray? Lester is another guy that I put in there with Walker Bueller that I would be trying to sell after this. Uh, he he started off the year looking like he'd made some changes and, and was maybe going to be a better strikeout pitcher. You look at his peripherals now, they look pretty similar last year. I'm not completely convinced He's going to be a guy that's must-start for the entire season. So I, after a good start, following giving up 19 runs across three starts, I'd be looking to see if I could get someone to buy. By the way, I wanted to go back to something that we argued about last week because I've been mad about it all weekend. So good. congratulations. Uh, we were talking about Robbie Ray, and I said, you know, I was talking about his ERA, and you said, let me pull up the stat so I know what you said. You said he has a three, you said like, okay. Okay, I know what it is. He has like was. a 3-2 ERA over the last three years or something. Okay, right. You said, you said something like that. I've been mad about it all weekend. I think it was a very deceiving and, 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 and mean thing to say. Because he's only had one year in his entire career with an ERA under 352. That 289 ERA in 2017 obviously drags that average down. But that is not the pitcher he is. He's not going to have a 330 ERA. He did that one season. So for you to say over his last three years, he said this ERA, when you know he cannot have that ERA, I think you owe me an apology. 
Well, he has a 3-2 FIP right now, so I think he absolutely could have that ERA. I'm not really worried about what Robbie Ray's ERA was before three years ago. Just looking at the last three years, I think it's a 2-8, then a 3-9, now a 3-6. He's a mid-threes ERA guy. 330 is not mid-threes. That's like low to mid-threes. 330 is um, really good. 350 is not as good. There is a difference between 330 and 350. Thank 330 you. is better. Thank you for But I don't that. think there is some hard line in between them that changes the distinction. All right, the last thing I want to talk about is Corey Seager. Corey Seager. Okay, so he's been a good batting average, like a 300 hitter with 20, I don't know, 23-ish home runs. Is that kind of Corey Seager that, that we had grown to know and love? But changing the batted ball pro- profile this year, big increase in fly ball rate. So that could obviously lead to a lower BABIP and a lower batting average. We hadn't seen the the power, but over his last 19 games, we're talking about a 990 OPS, a 290 batting average, six home runs, five doubles, seven walks, a 13 strikeouts. So that's good to see. Corey Seager is currently 14th in points, 17th in roto. He said he was rusty coming back from the injury. He's red hot right now. What do you think about Corey Seager? I don't know. Corey Seager is a good hitter. He's a good shortstop. With the way the landscape has changed at shortstop, I'm not 100% sold that unless he gets all the way back to 2016 Corey Seager, he's going to be a must-start shortstop. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Well, he's been really good. Can he hit lately? I do. Do you worry about the batting average? Because that's why people. That's why I drafted him. You know, for batting average. It's considering he's more of a fly ball hitter now. I didn't. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be a two seventy, two seventy five guy the rest of the year. I think he's probably going to hit twenty five ish home runs this season. Okay, and he never runs, so that hurts Corey Seager's value. I mean, he he style. runs like when he hits a ball off the wall. <laughs> he usually runs from second to try to score on a single. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make him Robinson Cano. He does run sometimes without right. getting without getting an IL stint after. All right, we got some fill in the blank from the listeners coming up. We got some MLB draft talk, some dynasty talk. Fun show today. We'll be right back on fantasy baseball today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I needed some content. I'm a terrible producer. There were only four games, so I asked you people on Twitter for... Fill in the blank, and here we go. Uh, from Roland in Pittsburgh, Jose Altuve's performance will be blank upon returning from injury. Ah, this is this is difficult. I mean, if you if you told me he was going to come back and just be himself immediately, I would say the best second baseman in fantasy. I don't know for sure that'll be the case, so I'm going to say his performance will be top four at second base rest of season. I am concerned he won't steal more than like. F- I know this is a little drastic, but more than like five to seven bases all year when he comes back. You know, I think that's a possibility. He wasn't running like, before. There's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know when he comes back if he's going to be 100. percent um, There's a lot of unknowns there, so I think top four is safer than number one. Are you thinking that you want to be buying Altuve right now? I, I'm pretty afraid. I mean, let's think about it. He had a, a chronic knee injury last year that he played through. He played 137 games. He had by his standards, a pretty bad year. He goes on the IL with another leg injury, but it happens to be this this leg from last year that's bothering him. And when he went on the IL this year, he only had one steal and three attempts. And now he's, he's dealing with the same injury he dealt with last year, or at least the same area. So I just don't think you can rely on him for steals. You know, be pretty I'm only buying Altuve if I'm well. Like if I need to be in first place. Okay. Uh, next up, fill in the blank from John. The best rookie or rookies at the end of the season will be blank. Um, I would, I guess, I would probably go with Fernando Tatis. 
Really? Okay. Uh, Chris Paddock? All the Padres? Chris Paddock will be the best rookie starting pitcher yet. Who I'm certain I'm forgetting someone now. I know. I'm trying to think of who we're missing. Austin Riley. Craig, uh, Biggio Vlad. How about Vlad? <laughs> I mean, no, I thought of Vlad. I, I, I think that Tatis... Um, I mean, he has an advantage right now in the numbers he's produced. Ah, yeah. Assuming there's no injury, the best rookie hitter in fantasy is probably going to be Pete Alonso. Oh, there you go. Thank you. So would you rather have right now, rest of season, Fernando Tatis, who's on a rehab assignment, or Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? I think I'd take Tatis. Ooh, all right. Hot take. From Justin Travis Shaw will hit blank home runs rest of season. This is an impossible question to answer, but I'll say 13. Okay. Ryan Martin, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will hit blank home runs rest of season. Oh, I, uh, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking at least we got about 100 games left. I'm thinking 20. So he's hit six. That would, yeah, that would make sense. I'll go with 18. Uh, this is from Jamie. DJ James Kennedy will have blank more hits in 2019 than Jose Ramirez. Now, Heath, you're a very lucky man. You don't know who DJ James Kennedy is. Your your wife does not make you watch Vanderpump Rules, but mine does. Oh, no. So I get this joke, (laughs) and it's pretty funny. Uh, I'm at my wit's end with Jose Ramirez. I thought last week he was having a pretty good week. He was kind of turning it around over the weekend. He was, like, total crap. So Uh, DJ James Kennedy will have... Five more hits than Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jose Ramirez will have a blank round value for the rest of the season from Austin Scott. Rest of season. Fourth. You draft him in the fourth round. I think I think we said third last No, last I think we said fifth ago. last time we talked. Okay, then I'll go sixth. I was trying to go one round worse than whatever I said last time. Okay, 206 with four home runs right now for Jose Ramirez. Let's see if we got a few more here. This one is from Josh. Josh's tweet. I can't find it. Video guy. Oh, here we go. Daniel Murphy is blank second baseman rest of the way. Bad. Wow. Really? Why so low? Uh, 13. Why? Like, he's such a good player. And he's um, hot. Yeah, he's not been. He's getting there. He had a good homestand, and I, which I think keeps him on people's rosters. All right, but I don't, I don't like, I don't know, I don't know for sure that he's going to play against lefties. I don't know for sure that he's going to be good away from course, and he's got a seven twenty OPS right now, and he's like one hundred and fourteen years old. You know. We always talk about like Joe Madden and his wacky rosters, and we can't rely on this from Madden. Or whatever, like Bud Black is is worse. I with all well, the Tapias. Bud Black is good. Joe Madden is good. Oh, they're just bad for us. Yes, yeah, bad. That's what I meant, obviously. All right, one more. Fill in the blank from Brighton Overton. The Twins will win blank games this year. Let's check the standings. They have the best record in baseball. Pretty sure. Currently the they Minnesota are 40 Twins and 18. Are 40 and 18. There you go. Um, I picked the Twins to win the Central, I'd like for everyone to know. It was a very good call. Thank you. Um, so they've got 104 games left. I'm going to say they win 98 games. Do they have the best record in the American League at the end of the season? No. I'll give you four reasons why they might. White Sox, Indians, Tigers, Royals. That's that's a possibility. I would still bet on one of the East teams or the Astros team or the Astros winning 100 games. Yeah, and to their credit, the Twins, I mean, it was a great weekend beating the, uh, what did they take, like three out of four from the Rays, I think. Uh, they're 14-6 and six against the AL East. They're 11-3 and three against the Central, and they're 12-5 and five against the West. And they're pitching really well. They, they're very good. I they won three out of four, like, yeah, from the from the race. It, it's normally a pretty me move to say, oh, this team we didn't expect to be this good is going to be much worse rest of the year. They're going to be a little worse. They're not going to win like 115 games, but 
I still think they're going to win the Central. Heath, yesterday I did not get to everything I wanted to get to on the Monday show, so let's do some Monday leftovers, weekend leftovers. Uh, we had we did studs being studs part one. I want to do studs being studs part two. So some guys who were pretty good over the weekend. I want to know what you think going forward. Who's your favorite? Who's your least favorite? You Darvish, six innings, one run with three walks and six strikeouts at St. Louis. Miles Michaelis, seven innings of one run ball against the Cubs. Cole Hamels, just picking everybody from this series apparently, seven innings of one unearned run, only four strikeouts at St. Louis. Uh, John Gray had a good start against Toronto. Lucas Giolito was dominant again. Seven and a third, no runs, nine strikeouts. And Jake Odorizzi was dominant again. I think Odorizzi is your American League ERA leader with a 196 ERA. He's 8-2. and two. He has more than a strikeout per inning. He has a .96 whip, and he has Detroit this week. So what a group here. Darvish and Hamels, Michaelis, John Gray, Giolito, and Odorizzi. Are any of these guys not must-starts? I think Odorizzi, like I've been skeptical of him. I will say he is must start rest of the year, or at least must start right now. Um, and I, he's going to be moving way up in my rankings once again. Giolito, there's no reason to question him right now. He's been the best pitcher in the American League for like six weeks now. Um, I feel pretty good about John Gray. Most of the, but he's going to, it's kind of like Robbie Ray. He's going to have those outings that are just disastrous. So I understand if you don't want to call him must start any pitches for the Rockies. I, I'm less sold on the other three. Like Miles Michaelis, this was a good start. He's been better lately. The strikeouts are even worse than they were last year. Uh, he's not done what I expected. Darvish and Hamels both make me extremely nervous. Darvish makes me very nervous, yeah. Because even in this start, three walks in six innings, and that's 41 walks in 61 innings for the season. It's like an outrageous number. Robbie Ray is blushing at that U Darvish walk rate. Actually, who's his higher? It's got to be Darvish. It's got to be Darvish, yeah. Um, yeah, Giolito. I said on the video show on Sunday that I'd take Giolito over Matt Boy, that Giolito is my favorite breakout pitcher this year. Scott did. I, Scott was sort of cringing when I said that. I might take Giolito over Boyd, but I don't think that Giolito is your favorite breakout pitcher this year. Okay, who am I forgetting? I, I'm going to actually fact check you on your own favorite. Who am I forgetting? My favorite <laughs> Luis Castillo. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I like Castillo better. Um, I, I was I was thinking more of like undrafted or total late round guys, uh, which would be Boyd, Boyd, Giolito, Odorizzi, that group. But yeah, I like Castillo better. Sure. Studs and be- I would still take, I, and it won't be this way much longer, possibly. But I would still take Caleb Smith over Giolito. Oh, that, yeah, right I, I would take group. Giolito over Caleb Smith because of innings. Smith is uh, not going very deep into games. Giolito, seven or more innings in five of his last six starts without throwing more than 107 pitches in any of them. Like That's in- insane. Uh, all right, one more group of studs here. I'm going to call them studs because they're owned in more than 80% of leagues, and they've got good ERAs. Julio Tarad is a stud. He's got a 328 ERA. Marcus Stroman has a 284 ERA. Zach Davies is 6 and 0 with a 2.20 ERA and Jordan Lyles is 5 and 3 with a 3.38 ERA. How many of them do you think are even worth owning? Tehran, Stroman, Davies and Lyles. You no, expect me like no, this is it, the section that you put I'm together yep. that I just don't participate in and Scott or Chris or you and talk about these pitchers. Julio Teron's still terrible. He has had a good stretch that has made his ERA look good. He's still a very bad pitcher. <laughs> I don't really think Zach Davies is good, but I could understand starting him now just because he's going so well. He's he's a slightly better than Julio Teron. Jordan Lyles does at least have the Sparp appeal, and there have, he's had some starts this year where it started to look like maybe there's something more there than I thought at the beginning of the year. The only one that I own on any teams or consider rostering, Marcus Stroman. Yeah, five straight quality starts for Stroman. I think he's pretty much a points league specialist. The strikeout rate is down again. I mean, earlier in the year he was striking out some guys. He's, you know, not a strikeout guy and a 130 whip, and he's three and seven. So, uh, okay, that's Marcus Stroman. Another quick break here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, 
Yeah, we'll do some Dynasty talk and some MLB draft talk when we come back. Then I have something surprising at every position, plus your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and we will be right back. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. Dynasty talk. Who's moving up? Who's moving down? Let me just go through the text message exchange from last night with Heath. Uh, Hey, Heath. Anything you'd like to talk about on FBT tomorrow, just me and you in only four games. How about some dynasty talk? Players moving up and down in your theoretical dynasty rankings. He says, I could do that. I said, cool, if you could send me some names, that would be good. I have to give some names to graphics. (laughs) And he throws, ugh. And then I said, ha, doesn't have to be now. But he came through right then and there, and he gave me... Six pitcher, six players moving up and six players moving down in his theoretical dynasty rankings. Why? Why the you, ugh? you? You missed one of the texts. It was you saying, Heath, I couldn't find enough tweets to produce the whole show for me. Could you produce a segment or two as well? <laughs> Just one segment. That's it. Uh, all right, moving up in your rankings. These pitchers: Caleb Smith, Matt Boyd, and Luis Castillo. Caleb Smith, Matthew Boyd, and Luis Castillo. Yeah, and Boyd and Smith are basically coming from, like, in my theoretical dynasty rankings towards the very bottom. I, I didn't have any faith at all in Matthew Boyd coming into this year, and they've moved up into the borderline top 20 range. Castillo was a guy that was pretty high coming into the year, but I think you look at his combination of age and the upside he's shown this year may just be a top 15 starting pitcher in dynasty. Okay, three hitters moving up. Joey Gallo, Adalberto Mondesi, and Cody Bellinger. Bellinger's a little bit obvious. Like, he may have just jumped into the top five from outside of the top 25, but I don't know how you could doubt it. Mondesi and Gallo, a little bit different. Mondesi, we saw a half a season last year that looked like, man, this guy could be a fantasy star, and he's like 23 years old. He's done enough in the first half of this season to where I kind of think that's probably what he is. It's hard to think of a lot of middle infielders I'd rather have than him in Dynasty. And then Gallo's done what I had hoped would happen. He's been a little lucky this year. He's not going to be quite this good, but he's been improved on defense, and he's been at a little bit better batted ball luck. He looks like someone who could be, if he'd stay healthy for a full year, a legit MVP contender. Moving down in the Dynasty rankings, these three hitters, Ozzie Albies, Travis Shaw, and Joey Votto. And I, by the way, he very good job. Three hitters and three pitchers in each section, down and up. But Albies, Shaw, and Votto. I, let's talk about Albies. He's obviously still young. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what, what Ozzie Albies is, but he's moving down in your theoretical dynasty rankings. I Yeah. I, I the Part of it is I feel like we're starting to get a better idea what Ozzie, Ozzie Albies is. And it starts with a J and ends with a G. It's just a guy. <laughs> It's like he's played now 274 games with an OPS around 750. Most every year in the minor leagues, his OPS was around 750 to 800. He doesn't steal a ton of bases. He doesn't have a ton of power. I just like he's a second baseman that you're probably going to start most years. But I don't know that he's going to be a difference maker in any area. Yeah, and it's starting to look that way. And then moving down in Heath's theoretical dynasty rankings, you Darvish, Vince Velasquez, and I'm just going to smile as I say Chris Archer. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Chris, listen, I think it's undeniable that Chris Archer had a, a five-year stretch as a very good starting pitcher in fantasy. Um, but he's away from Tampa now, and one of the things you could count on him was a lot of innings with a lot of strikeouts. We've not even gotten that so far this year. If it's a high-ish ERA, a high-ish whip, and the innings and strikeouts are just okay moving forward, that's not a very good fantasy pitcher. Okay. Five seasons. I will give you three seasons. Yeah. No, I'll give you... Mm. I said it was undeniable, Adam, so it doesn't really matter what you give me. That's the way it works. Yeah, Archer... I think Archer also, I you know, if there's a lesson to be learned, maybe, it's that, you, you know, his arsenal, it's just very limited. He's basically a two-pitch pitcher, and he's lost velocity. So I think... Yeah, I, th- yeah, I mean, and you have to know that you may only get five good years out of a pitcher when that happens. <laughs> but, right, well, but that's the thing. Like, his fastball and his slider were just supreme. They were just so good, so hard to hit. And uh, if a guy doesn't doesn't expand his arsenal when he loses the velocity, he's he's going to struggle. Uh, okay, MLB draft was yesterday and continues today and tomorrow. It's I think it's up to 250 rounds now. At least it feels that way. Uh, I'd love to know from someone inside baseball. Maybe next time we do HQ and I'm talking to David Sampson I, or Jim Bowden, I will ask them why do we need so many levels of baseball? Why do we need so many farm systems? Why do we need so many minor leaguers? This is a like a terrible job to have. I feel bad for these players that play minor league baseball. They make absolutely no money. I don't think their living conditions are, are good. Like I think it's a, it's a sham. And I just think we should have like one minor league team for every team. And we don't need 50 rounds of drafts or whatever we have right now. But I digress. We have never gotten Albert Pujols in the major leagues if that was the case. Yeah, we would have gotten him. First draft ever without a pitcher selected in the top six. And I honestly I just don't know what to say about the draft. Do you have any thoughts on but Adley Rushman, his numbers are unbelievable. Andrew Vaughn. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I think Adley Rushman is the closest thing to a surefire star, fantasy star, um, that we've had in several years in the draft. I don't really think you can bet on anything else from this draft, but if, like, I, I think he may be just a star and soon. And I think, it, is Andrew Vaughn the like the short first baseman? He's like six feet. So so there's an interesting write-up on him. I'm pretty sure it's him. I'll double-check. On CBSSports.com, great numbers for Andrew Vaughn. I want to say he's the guy who had more home runs than strikeouts in his sophomore season. But his profile is weird because he is very short and right-handed, and that is not good for first baseman. We want left-handed first baseman uh, because it's easier for pickoffs, um, you know, easier to apply a tag. Uh, I think he was the first right-handed hitting, right-handed throwing college first baseman ever drafted in the top five picks. <laughs> okay, so here it is. Why White Sox draftee Andrew Vaughn is the most intriguing prospect in this year's class. And yeah, I think it was all six foot tall collegiate first baseman who bats and throws right and required a top pick to acquire. History is not kind to many of those descriptions. I can't remember if he's the guy who had more home runs and strikeouts, but uh, the five collegiate first basemen who have been drafted in the top ten since 1998. Um, Mark Teixeira not included. He was drafted as a third baseman. So since 98, five first basemen drafted in the top ten: Brendan McKay, Pavin Smith. Both in 2017, Yonder Alonso, Matt Laporta, and Carlos Pena. So interesting stuff there. And that's a look at your MLB draft for today. All right, I promise, last break of the show. When we come back, I've got something surprising at each position. I'm actually pretty excited about this segment. Some fun stuff here. Wait till you hear how many doubles Paul Goldschmidt has hit this year. And wait till you hear what Yonder or what Yasmani Grandal's splits look like. It's absolutely bonkers. We'll be right back after these messages. We'll be right back. Keith's too old to get that reference. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more 
for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I was wrong. Heath remembers after these messages. We'll be right back. Sorry, Heath. Okay. Okay. Something surprising at each position. Catcher. Yasmani Grandal's splits. I, I originally had his home road splits, but also his lefty-righty splits. Uh, at home, Yasmani Grandal, who's the number one catcher in points, number three in roto. Oh, he's Miller Park. That's got to be the reason, right? 729 OPS. On the road, 1034 OPS. Also crushing lefties this year, which is very unusual. So you've got Yasmani Grandal, Heath, who has done pretty much nothing at Miller Park. And yet he is the number one catcher in points, number three in Roto. Yeah, I would guess he's going to be better at Miller Park and worse on the road. <laughs> is he your number three catcher? Going he forward? is currently my number four catcher. Oh, Contreras? Third? Yes. Yeah. By the way, when we were naming catchers we'd rather have over Garver, we skipped Wilson Contreras, but we would rather have him. Who's number one? Still, yes. still Real Muto? Yes. I don't know what's happened that would change that. I don't know. I mean, Gary Sanchez, going into Sunday at least, led the American League in home runs with an IL stint included. I think he hits yeah, more he's... fly balls than anyone in baseball now. I think that's true. Um, Real Muto still outscored him in fantasy points. Uh, like, please don't even say that. Like, don't I mean, even say that. It's factually true. Yeah, but you, but you obviously, <laughs> like, you can't say that. 56 games. I just did. 56 games for Real Muto and 40 games for Gary Sanchez, and they're separated by four fantasy points. Like, give me a break. Gary Sanchez should play more games. He should, right? All right, Paul Goldsmith. Something surprising at first base. Paul Goldsmith has four doubles. That's, a, that's huge. Because you look like 12 home runs, that's not so bad. Four doubles? That's terrible. He's hit 33 or more doubles in seven straight seasons. Now, we are at the point, if you look at last year, his first 48 games, Goldschmidt batted 198 with a 355 slugging percentage. 49, 48 games. This year, his first 49 games, not as bad, but still bad, 253 with a 432 slugging percentage. Last 10 games, Goldschmidt's batting 406. Only two home runs. Mostly singles here and no doubles. Where are you on Goldschmidt right now? I'm mostly not concerned. I mean, there's one thing that I don't think is going to change necessarily, um, but we kind of expected that, I think. These stolen bases, zero. Yeah. Like, not even one. He's just not a runner at all anymore. But I, I think mostly he's going to be fine from a performance base. All right, how about at second base? What surprised me at second base? Cattell Marte's ascension. He has already matched last year's home run total. He had 14 in 153 games. In his first three seasons, Marte had eight home runs in 249 games. So now he has 14 home runs through 59 games. You look at, at the numbers, and it's hard to believe that Marte is number one in points, number two in roto at second base. Like three steals, 276 batting average, 14 homers. He does have 12 doubles and three triples. I don't know. Plate discipline's worse than last year. Like, it's a good year, but it's it's surprising to me that he's a top two second baseman, Cattell Marte. Well, second base is really terrible, Adam. I don't I know. know if you've ever heard us talk about that. But Whit Merrifield, and, like he's been better than Whit Merrifield. And he's on pace for, what, 36, 37 home runs? Right. But it's just it, that doesn't really totally stand out right now because a lot of guys have have 14 or more home runs. Even second base. At second base? One, two, I think three, only Mike Moustakas, right? Five, no. Five second base eligible players have 14 or more home runs. Dietrich, Moose, Baez, Torres, Marte. Okay. Um, it's not nothing. It's just like, I don't know. His numbers don't jump off the page to me. He's been very good. He's a top five second baseman rest of the season probably. You're buying Ketel Marte? I'm not buying that he's going to be number one. I've still got him behind Moustakas, but I think he's top five. Third base, Austin Riley's power surge. It has to be surprising. He's got eight home runs in 17 games. I took a look at the two other players who got off to this type of historic start as rookies. Trevor Story 
and Carlos Delgado. Trevor Story, his first eight games, he hit 343 with seven homers. Rest of season, he was really good. He had an 857 OPS, but only 746 on the road, and nearly 1,100 at home. So you could say Trevor Story got off to an amazing start and then was pretty much only good at Coors Field. The other guy who got off to this type of start was Carlos Delgado. 1994, his first 13 games, eight home runs, 271 batting average, and he played only, uh, he, he played like 30 or 40 more games, I think, and he batted 183 with one homer, a 596 OPS. So uh, Riley, 328, eight homers, but three walks to 25 strikeouts. Could you see him falling off a cliff going forward? Oh, 100%. Uh, I do think the powers, like it's not going to stay up to this level. I don't have much doubt about the power. He does hit the ball very hard. But his batting average is at least 70 points higher than I would expect it to be the rest of the way. I think 250, 260 is probably the ceiling when you strike out as much as he has so far. And he did not strike out this much in the minors. He was more of a 25 to 30% guy for most of his time in the minors. So it's possible that just improves and he's very good. Um, but I'm certainly skeptical. At outfield, what's the problem? Oh, no, at shortstop. Javier Baez has only two steals. Only two steals for Javier Baez. Does that matter? Well, it's kind of funny because, like, of all the things that we said that <laughs> Javier Baez did last year that was not sustainable, that's the thing that doesn't hold up. Right. Um, like, the... The BABIP's still 400. The home run to fly ball rate's still outlandish. He's now striking out 32% of the time, but he's not running. Um, I'm a little bit, I still think he's a sell high. He's been slumping since the hip injury, or the heel injury. He did have a good game yesterday. Baez, right now, at second base, he's second in points, first in roto. At shortstop, he's ninth in points, seventh in roto. At third base, he's tenth in points, fourth in roto. What has surprised me in the outfield? Mitch Hanniger's strikeouts. Mitch Hanniger has still started in 94% of leagues, and for the year he's 28th in points, 22nd in Roto, but five of the last six weeks Mitch Hanniger has been bad. 14 or fewer fantasy points, 76 strikeouts in 60 games, batting average down to 224. Uh, should we be worried about Mitch Hanniger? I probably, like, I own him on a lot of teams. I Unless something changes in the next five days, I won't be starting him next week. Would you consider dropping Mitch Hanager? No. No, I think he's too talented to do that. But he is, he's going bad, and things have gone so bad for the Mariners lately. And that's got to be disheartening. Um, I think he's probably pressing just a little bit. I'm hoping he comes out of it. There's too much talent for me to drop him. Okay, starting pitcher, what surprised me there? How about this? Chris Sale of the Red Sox and David Hess of the Orioles have the same record. Chris Sale and David Hess are both 1-7, and seven, even though Sale's ERA is three runs lower than David Hess's. 1-7, Chris Sale. Yeah, I think he's going to win more games. I'm not sure David Hess is. <laughs> he is awful. He is. Chris Sale's pretty awesome, That is awesome, a fantastic right? graphic, though. It, it, yeah, it, it says Hess Trucks for Sale. That's very, very good. Good job. Uh, kudos to the graphics department. Great video show today. Uh, I don't love the shirt I'm wearing. It's not one of my favorites, but it looks good with the background, I think. Uh, all right, Chris Sale, is he a top five pitcher for you? Just outside of the top five. And what surprises um, me... Yeah, I don't care. We're done. What surprises me seven. at relief pitcher... Relief pitcher, it's Kirby Yates. He's totally legit. He has 22 saves, and he's amazing. Yeah, I don't, like, I think Scott just moved Yates to his number one closer, and I understand that. I would anticipate he's still going to be very, very good. He's been good for, like, three years now. But the save total is absurd right now, and he's not going to save 60 games. You know, I think, uh, I'm going to look it up. I think Brad Hand had a ridiculous amount of saves before he got traded last year. Let's check it out. I think, like, like it's going to blow. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? I think he had 31 at the All-Star game. Are you looking it up? Stealing my no. thunder? Oh, okay. No. With San Diego, he had... How do I not have the saves? Are you kidding? You're doing a really good job on this segment. I don't care anymore. I don't care. All right, I've lost interest. All right, it's Team Name Tuesday. 
And I didn't put them in the notes. So we're going to search my inbox, Team Name Tuesday. This is why I have you put Team Name Tuesday as a subject line. So I can just do a little search for Team Name Tuesday. Did you do anything for this show? I watched hockey. Uh, okay. I can't read that one. Um, <laughs> okay. A quality start, Smeltzer Delter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brad Hand had 31 saves for the Padres last year. Okay. When did he get traded? Like in right. the middle of the season. Okay, cash money, Fran millionaires, Enola virus. Like even when you go through the trouble of sorting through these and trying to find good ones, they're mostly terrible. Yeah, now yeah. you're just going to read random emails you found. Enola virus, because he makes me sick. Enola virus. Rumor you have any ba- emails and tweets. Rumor Bassett. Rumor ba- Rumor Bassett. Diamond in the Woodruff. I like that one. Uh, ga- oh, the, another Adele. Gallo from the other side. Okay, that's good. I don't. You say goodbye. I say Nate Lowe. That's pretty good. Chicks dig De Young ball. You don't like that one? It's about Paul De Young. Glaber and delivery. Glaber and delivery. Congratulations to Brent. He just had his third child. Glaber and delivery. And one <laughs> this one time at hand camp for Brad Hand. Very good. Emails and tweets to finish the show. And we'll try to preview today's matchups. From James. Dear Wheeler, Connor, Little, and Ellers. Dear Google, 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 and Google. I'll have to check that. How much is too much to give up for Christian Yelich? The Yelich owner is asking for three really good players. I've offered Freeman, Rendon, and Haniger for Yelich and Mazzara. But he wants Mondesi instead of Rendon. I feel like that's too much, even though I have Gregorius coming off the IL. Would you give up either Freeman, Rendon, and Haniger or Freeman and Mondesi and Haniger for Yelich and Mazzara? I would not... And okay. I know Hanniger's been bad lately, so it might feel like that's just not even a good player that you're adding in there, but I still think he's probably a top 25 outfielder the rest of the year. Freeman's a top three first baseman. Rendon's a top three or four third baseman. I, I, no thank you. Yeah, that's too much. Even if it's Mondesi or Rendon, no. Uh, quick quiz from Matt. Is Luke Weaver worth stashing in a 12-team Roto League? He was very good early this year, and yes, he absolutely is. If we find out, like we might find out it's more serious and he may be worth nothing. But the possibility of him coming back makes him worthy of a stash. From, no name here, I need to drop one in a mixed league, and I think he needs saves. Leclerc, Ciszek, or Anthony Bass? I guess... Ciszek? Okay. Uh Yeah, I had trouble with this one, so I put it in the show to make you like, answer. It, you're, you're, you're throwing... Shooting craps here a little bit. These guys are all going to get some more saves this year. Um, who's going to get the most is a real, real tough question. I wouldn't drop McClurk. That's the guy. That'd be my favorite, I think. Even though he's opening lately. From Jonathan, I traded Madison Bumgarner and Byron Buxton for Giancarlo Stanton. I'm loaded with starting pitchers. How did I do giving up Bumgarner and Buxton for Stanton? Do... Do the players actually have to play baseball for you to like I think it's probably okay. This whole John Carlos Stanton thing has been very frustrating, but I would expect at the end of the year you'll look back at this trade and be very happy. B. Yeah. You talk about a guy that's hard to predict. I I don't know what to expect from Stanton going forward. And I think he could be back pretty soon, but I don't know what kind of performance to expect and how long he'll be healthy. No name on this one. Ten teams category league. Would you drop you say Kikuchi for Nick Pavetta. Yeah, but I'm not sure I'd be rostering either. I think Connor, Ellers, Wheeler, and Little were hockey players, by the way. Uh, from Jeff and Cedar Rapids, I have two open roster spots. Who should I add? Chase Anderson, Andrew Heaney, Nick Senzel, Caleb Smith, and Nick Pavetta. Caleb Smith and Nick Senzel. Would you pick up from KB, by the way? Would you pick up Jimmy Nelson and drop Rick Porcello or Josh Donaldson or Hunter Dozier? 
Can't you put Dozier on IL? Um, I guess not. I I don't think I'd rather have Nelson than any of those guys. Even Porcello, huh? They're right in the same range. Like we've only seen Jimmy Nelson be a good pitcher for like three months of his whole life. Yeah. Okay. From Dave in St. Louis, grade the trade. Give up Trout and Giolito. Get Rizzo and Sale. Let's go Blues. Give up Trout and Giolito. Get Rizzo and Sale. It's a good one. Tough one here. Uh, wow. I don't think I like it. C minus. I believe that much in Giolito. I think he's good enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, from John, in honor of the MLB draft, I would like to submit Bobby Witt Merrifield to the before and after game. It's All it. Royals. It's, yeah, there you go. Uh, Dwight, I picked up a low percentage owned player, Brandon Dixon of Detroit, in a 12 team daily head to head categories league. Might Brandon Dixon be a possible 15 to 20 homer and 15 to 20 steal guy? What do you think his underlying stats look like? Uh, this is about Brandon Dixon. I don't think there's a very good chance that Brandon Dixon is relevant in that format rest of season. Okay. From Jim, pitching has been really scarce this year, and I don't know what to do. Would you try to trade for pitching, or do you think more pitchers will emerge on the waiver wire like Marquez and Wheeler did last year? I would prefer to hope for the waiver wire, but it has been difficult. Yeah, I think you got to make trades. Because, yeah, pitchers will emerge. It's- but it's who knows so, when. Like, and maybe other, like, I know that other people have an easier time. I'm a little um, sour on trades right now because it just seems like nobody wants to make a trade unless they feel like they're winning the trade by a huge margin. Yeah, so I what's agree. the point of making trades? I got proposed the trade that I won by a huge margin. It was very nice. I gave up Blake Parker for, I really needed a first baseman for Trey Mancini. I know it's not a, like a knock-your-socks-off deal, but... Uh, I, I definitely won that trade. I was I was happy about that. But, yeah, you know what bothers me? I'm in this league where people know what I do for a living. So they won't trade with me unless they rip me off. They gave me the most ridiculous trade offers. And then they trade with other fantasy owners, and they get robbed. And I'm just like, you jerk. That is so annoying. All right, listen, I want to read one more email, Heath. And uh, it's a very serious one. And also, it, totally not joking here. Uh, it's a somber email from Kyle in Denver. He wanted me to read this, and I'll read it for him. Fantasy baseball and sports in general is a very special thing. It has the power to keep groups of people connected over years and years, even if they don't see each other for years on end. Connections are retained through this common interest and passion for, in this case, baseball. This weekend, our league experienced a great loss. The majority of the members of our league have been together for over 15 years, and Sunday morning, one of those members passed away in his sleep. We're all in our mid-30s. I personally never met Ronnie. Ronnie was brought into the league by the commish who got to know him after many of the original members all dispersed across the country for college. Ronnie and I got to know each other by creating trades, exchanging nasty barbs over message boards, competing in close weekly battles, and in the end sharing a pastime that honestly feels more like a passion. Maybe you guys can relate to this in some way, but I feel incredible loss. What is it about the human experience that even though he and I never met face-to-face, I can still experience the void he is leaving? Several of us listen to the podcast and keep it from the rest of the members because of how awesome a resource you four are. And it would mean a lot to us if you guys at least read this email. You don't have to read it on the podcast, but I wanted to share this story of connection and loss with four men I admire who might be able to empathize with the sentiment. Uh, This is from Kyle in Denver and David in Phoenix, where Robbie's family is, along with most of the league. I've never experienced a loss like this in a fantasy league, but I certainly can relate just just in terms of the closeness that fantasy sports brings people and i love that about fantasy sports and you're right sports in general so kyle david everybody else in the league i would like to extend our condolences r.i.p ronnie and i'm glad that uh you guys were able to bond over fantasy baseball heath if you have anything to yeah, say sorry feel if free. yeah um all right that's we'll just leave it at that and uh we will preview the matchups for today to end the show we'll leave it on on that note, we'll talk baseball here. That's what we're here for. All right. White Sox and Nationals. Ronaldo Lopez at Steven Strasburg. Would you start Lopez? No. Max Freed at Steven Brault. Start Freed. Masahiro Tanaka at Clayton Richard. Uh, start Tanaka, I guess. What do you mean? What was so bad about starting Tanaka? 
at the Blue Jays? Every, well, I mean, I made the statement that he's been really frustrating this year. You pointed out that he'd been really good over four starts. I said, okay, you're <laughs> right. Maybe you talk is fine now. And he was awful. Yeah, that was bad. Bad start last time out. But not that bad. Six innings, four runs on nine hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. He was able to recover and give a decent outing. You're starting him at Toronto. You're starting Bumgarner and Syndergaard in that matchup at City Field. Uh, Devin Smeltzer at Shane Bieber. I'm starting Bieber for sure, and I, I'd probably roll with Smeltzer again. I, I feel like he's going to turn back into a pumpkin soon, but it's the Indians. Start Blake Snell, sit Ryan Carpenter. How about Pablo Lopez at Chase Anderson? Marlins at Brewers. You're starting Chase Anderson. Um, Pablo Lopez, it's probably, these are always those weekly categories leagues. It's probably too early in the week for me to start Lopez. Jeff Hoffman at Kyle Hendricks. Rockies at Cubs. Start Hendricks. Orioles at Rangers, Dylan Bundy at Drew Smiley. Nope. Nope. Luis Castillo at Genesis Cabrera. Reds at Cardinals. I'm going to start Castillo. Eduardo Rodriguez at Glenn Sparkman. Red Sox at Royals. Uh, Rodriguez is another one of those high-variance plays. Uh, it's probably too early in the week for me to do it. Hyunjin Ryu at Taylor Clark. Dodgers at Diamondbacks. Start Ryu. A's at Angels, Frankie Montas at Griffin Canning. I am starting them both. Jared Eikhoff at Chris Paddock. Start Paddock. And Wade Miley at Jonathan Neese as the Astros are at Seattle. Jonathan Neese, really? About that. Jonathan who? <laughs> Jonathan Neese. Really? Yeah, former Met. I had n- no idea. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Didn't know until just now. Play the music. What's the music? Welcome back. Oh, now I'll just play. And the Heath is off. We'll start Wade Miley, sit Jonathan Neese. We are out of here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Appreciate the emails. Appreciate the tweets. Thanks for helping me produce the show. Feel free to do it again tomorrow. We'll talk to you then on Fantasy Baseball Today.